They are called Swedish meatballs. It's a strange thing, but every sentient race has its own version of these Swedish meatballs. I suspect it's one of those great universal mysteries which will never be explained. <laughs> no, it's a metaphor. Why is everything around here a long story? Why isn't anything ever a short story, a paragraph? Hello and welcome to Who Are You? A Babylon 5 Watchcast hosted by two former strangers, now friends, who have gotten to know each other while we're watching a favorite show from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Jafar. And I'm Laura. And today, Laura, I'm going to ask you, who do you want to play? We, we didn't have a clever for this, did we? No, we didn't, but I thought you were on your way. <laughs> on my way. It was half in my head and then I realized that it had never been a thing before. No, but you should do it. Who do you want to play fan recasting here for the theoretical reboot, which we still have no news on as of recording? Mm -hmm. um, we're talking Dr. Franklin today. Since we're talking Walkabout is a very Dr. Franklin-centric episode, we thought it would be a good episode to do our recasting of Dr. Franklin. Do we want to quickly go over everyone that we fan cast so far? Yeah, do go ahead and share that. Okay, I'll say the name who I casted, and then you say who you fan casted. Okay, and we'll just that means I run through the, the list real quick. Yeah, pull up the, the list tab. if you don't have it in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Marcus, I had Henry Ian Cusick, and I had David Tennant. Zach Allen, I was feeling Grant Gustin. And I was feeling Fortune Feimster. Uh, Londo Michael Fassbender, and I had Mark Addy. Jakar James McAvoy, or Keith David. Sinclair, I was thinking Christopher Jackson from Hamilton. And I was thinking Donald Glover. Talia, Judy Greer. And I had Amy Adams. And for Garibaldi, I suggested Bob Odenkirk. And I had Tig Notaro. <laughs> yeah, that's such good. <laughs> yeah. So now we're looking at Franklin, right? Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you first, before we cast new people, thinking about our original doctor that mm -hmm. we had. On the show, Dr. Kyle. Uh, Kyle, yeah. So, especially this episode got me really thinking about Dr. Kyle. Mm hmm And how much different do you feel like this plot, and I, I mean, not necessarily just the walkabout plot, but like the whole addiction plot would be I don't if think we, we had Johnny it. Seca. Yeah. You don't think we get it at all? I don't think, I don't think this happens at all with that character. With Dr. Kyle. In fact, Dr. Kyle probably wouldn't be on the senior staff. Yeah. I would go as far as to say that Franklin is kind of boisterous and has a habit of inserting himself in situations. Mm, yeah, that's true. And that's led to his prominence in the senior staff and doing things. Dr. Uh -huh. Kyle was a bit more back in the cut, I feel. You think he stayed in his lane? Yeah, I don't think he gets involved in war meetings and stuff. I think he just is worried about MetLab. Yeah, I think you could do this plot with Dr. Kyle, but it would be a lot different. Yeah. Like, it is more, you know, driven by, and we see Dr. Franklin working hard in MedLab, but I've pictured Dr. Kyle or, you know, Johnny Seca playing Dr. Kyle working differently yeah, than Dr. Sure. Franklin. 
not so much like the medicinal head stroking and all that, like maybe a little more serious, like you said, a little less inserting yourself into other situations that Mm -hmm. maybe you didn't totally need to be in. (laughs) Yeah. I think Believers is an episode doesn't happen with Dr. Kyle. Mm, Yeah. He's, he's definitely more mature Mm -hmm. and you get a different response to those parents, a different level of empathy. You get someone who just read the whole fucking file at the start. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Avoid the whole thing. That level of cockiness. Yeah. I think you could do a Stem's addiction storyline with him, but it's going to be totally different. And he's going to react to Garibaldi differently. Mm -hmm. He's he's certainly not going to do some of the antics in this episode, I think. But yeah, I've, I definitely felt as I was thinking about recasting, I was like, I kind of just wanted to see what this show would have been with that, with a different doctor almost, mm-hmm. you know, with a little bit less of that ego that Franklin brings to the table. I do think in the reboot, we get not a different doctor, like an entirely different character, but I do think in the reboot that we don't get the kind of creeper side of Franklin that we see a lot of. Yeah, um, for sure. That's very rooted in the 90s and mm-hmm. what was acceptable then yep compared we to had now. more than one creeper doctor character in different franchises all over. yeah and so <laughs> i've just completely stripped all of that from the fan cast any yeah. of any of those creeper moments in my ideal reboot in the reboot i hope we get knock on wood none of that is there so yeah. i'm not going to cast to it um uh-huh. and if i was it would be a completely different pick than the one i'm going for Sure. Probably. But when I think Dr. Franklin, I need someone who can pull off the the acting caliber of I am so stubborn, I will win. Mm-hmm. But also they still have to be fallible. They have to be able to act losing. Mm-hmm. And I need someone who can shout techno babble loudly. Yeah. That's very the... important on any sci-fi show. Yes. And then... As we see through the stim addiction, I need someone who can portray someone just a little unhinged. Uh We need someone who can get a little crazy with it and still maintain credibility. And for that, keeping all of that in mind, I'm fan casting Sonequa Martin-Green for Dr. Franklin. Most famously, yep, some Star Trek alum for sure, current running. But uh, Mm -hmm. Michael Burnham from Star Trek Discovery definitely has the ability to pull all those things off. And another character in her history who actually leans pretty heavily into it is Rhonda from New Girl. Okay. If you, I just, I literally today finished watching New Girl for the first time. (laughs) Fresh on your mind, then. (laughs) Yeah, for sure it is. But her character is a super prankster type in that show to the point of like getting married as a prank signing divorce papers with disappearing ink like shit is hilarious but also way too much (laughs) and a lot of that i could see just like her her big smile where she's just like gotcha it'd be perfect i think for this Mm -hmm. unhinged kind of doctor yeah i can totally see that too i like that and i like it when we flip stuff around a little bit on Mm -hmm. some of our characters I chose kind of thinking on, I need someone who has a little bit of gravitas, you know, Mm -hmm. because we're doctor and doctors are serious sometimes, you know, we got to have serious doctor, but also Franklin gets some jokey moments 
everybody in the show gets some jokes. We get bits and stuff. And I wanted somebody that I was thinking about for serious moments and serious doctor stuff, but also make some jokes, make some good jokes at me. And so I chose Kamel Nanjiani. Okay. So we've got, you know, a lot of comedy chops in there. We have Silicon Valley. The, the first place I ever, I think, consciously observed Kamel's work was on Adventure Time as mm-hmm. Prismo. Prismo is a very funny character. <laughs> I have not watched much Adventure Time. It's pretty good. I mean, I've watched it because I have a child in my life. Oh, and yeah. Mm-hmm. You wind up watching a lot of cartoons. And I think, actually, I picked another Adventure Time actor. I was feeling very uh, similar vibes when I was talking about Keith David. Mm-hmm. Well, Camille, I, re- I remember his voice being very distinct as Prismo. And then I kept seeing him everywhere. I kept seeing him in other stuff because he's got like a huge IMDb. And I was like, yeah, I could see him in those serious moments, but also like playing pranks, like you said, play a prank mm-hmm. on Garibaldi or something. I-, I really think that he could bring that into the role, but probably also a high dollar actor. Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to worry about that. <laughs> we can't worry about price. On yeah. this casting, guys. <laughs> it's that's what we're doing it for fun because we don't know every unnamed, unsigned, not on a major TV show actor in the world that these people are actually going to be. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's what I was thinking. Okay. Well, there's a bit of thinking and a bit of self reflection in today's episode, season three, episode eighteen, walkabout. I'm just gonna come right out and say it. I thought this was a different episode. Yeah. <laughs> I think I conflated this episode and another episode in my mind. Okay. And the way I had it conflated, it was more interesting. <laughs> the the way you're saying, well, obviously it would be a future episode because if it was one yeah. we'd already watched. So I won't ask for spoilies, but I am curious. Yeah. I think it's not too far away, actually. Okay. I, I had envisioned it being a little bit different in the plot. So I was a little let down in certain parts. <laughs> fair enough but how do we open this one up we open on Olando bitching to Garibaldi about a Narn cruiser coming to help defend B5 notably this is not at a council meeting like Uh Lando has no one to complain to except Garibaldi that's all he's got left that is his one contact on the station he doesn't even feel comfortable going to Sheridan there is no council for him to go to he can't go to any of the other ambassadors he has to go complain to the chief of security. Who is not impressed. <laughs> right. He's He's got a short fuse with this. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it kind of feels a little exploitive by Londo. You know how they had the relationship a little bit earlier in the show that they could actually sit together and have a drink. And Londo tried really hard to be Garibaldi's friend. But now he's kind of stepping on those toes. Yeah. overstepping his boundaries for sure after this we move over to metal lab lita has arrived back on the station and she's asking about kosh we get dr hobbs who's still filling yeah. in in med lab she's back who's just like i cannot answer your questions like it's not even like a i'm keeping secrets or respecting mm-hmm. like hippo law space hippo but i just cannot physically i do not know the answers to these questions you're asking 
Yeah, we just don't know enough about Vorlons, and we yeah. didn't have much Vorlon left, I don't think. To yeah, examine. none probably. I wanted to make a note here about Lita's costuming. Mm-hmm. I noticed that her very impeccably tailored suit has a very like collared look to it. Yeah. Did you notice this? Yeah, it's hiding those gills. Yeah. Well, I think it, part of it is, you know, we need to hide some gills, but also that uh, she's property now, right? She's yeah. the Vorlon's property, essentially. Yes. And we, we've seen how they handle humans in their care, the humans that mm-hmm. they decide to care for and how they treat them. So it's not It's a very subtle nod to her actual situation. I was like, oh... I didn't, that's not something I would have caught when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The new Vorlon ambassador's ship arrives while Sheridan is out on a walk. He's on a, a walkabout, if you will. This is the <laughs> stupidest fucking thing. This might be the <laughs> stupidest stupid. thing in this episode, and this episode has a bunch of stupid shit in it. I I turned to my husband and I said, do we need to be really talking about Sheridan's adrenaline addiction in this episode? <laughs> Right. The uh, the background story. Just need one more hit. That sweet, yeah. sweet adrenaline. I feel the need. The need for speed. Yeah. Well, he'll get it's another neat. one in this episode, but it's not the one he's hoping for. Yeah, we, he just needs to feel that space around <laughs> him in order to feel alive. Yeah. Needs to look a Vorlon ship right in the eyes yeah. as it comes in. Yeah, the Vorlon ship is starting to dock. And then, like, pops out, and then, like, the ship effectively says hi. Some writing yeah. appears on the ship. Don't know what it says. JMS did not say what it says. Be sure to drink your oval tea. The greatest mystery. I wish I knew. I like the color on this ship. It's distinct from the reddish, purplish kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Old Kosh's ship was very green. Mm hmm. And I like that the Vorlon ships are all kinds of different shades of something. It makes them mm-hmm. feel more organic. It does. We go to theme here. When we get back, uh, Jakar is having Swedish meatballs for dinner and notes that every culture has their own version of meatball. Same food, different place. Yeah. I read a ridiculous post online about this. Oh, do tell. Someone posits that the reason every culture Every spacefaring culture that everyone's encountered has some form of meatball is because the Vorlons spread them across the galaxy <laughs> when they were interfering with the races. Okay. All right. In their younger stages of development. Like they they left it was like they when they came to Earth, they didn't just leave Telepaths and they didn't just take Jack the Ripper. They also gave us Swedish meatballs. <laughs> and it is a Vorlon delicacy that they wanted all the other races to be able to prepare for them or something. Like, it, it's this whole thing. It's completely unhinged. It's, it's the, the the craziest fan theory I've probably ever read. <laughs> I was a little disappointed that it wasn't a dumpling reference because, you know, like every culture on Earth has its own has version dumpling? of dumplings. Yeah. I think that was a thing that was like talked about in like the news and stuff after this show had aired because I also was like, wasn't this line about dumplings? So I looked into that too. <laughs> and all the posts I could find about every culture on earth has some form of dumpling. And it's just like every, that was all from like 12, 15 years ago that I could find. Uh-huh. 
It, it was a big thing for a while. People talked about it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, I'm going to headcanon that that came from this scene. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're discussing their ships. Or lack thereof. Yeah. So it sounds like from Nicole, who's our cruiser captain. Mm hmm. His assessment is that there's like 10 ships of any sort of size left. They're not all war cruisers. Some of them are other things. Mm -hmm. This war cruiser is still functional, but, you know, kind of limping along. We have to repair it with other stuff. Mm -hmm. And Nicole is ready to strike back with these 10 ships, though. Even though we don't have much, he's mm -hmm. ready to just, just get out there and get it done. It. Yeah. And by that, I mean get blown up by the Centauri. Right, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. A uh, surprising amount of restraint from our boy Jakar. He's really he, showing that he's new He's changed, yeah. Mm -hmm. After this, the new Vorlon ambassador, who's the silent type, comes on board the station. Yeah. Uh, so I use his actual name throughout my notes. We do not find out his actual name. It's not said aloud in televised B5. But oh. in all of the alternate media, his name is confirmed as Ulkesh. Oh, wow. I did not know this. Okay. This is the same dude who was on Mimbar, the closed circle. And okay. that was him and Kosh hanging out back with Valen forever ago, a thousand years ago. Okay. I did not catch that. And uh, we will see these those two together in the movie that's coming up in the beginning, which is the prequel movie that came out between seasons four and five, Kosh and Ulkesh are hanging out in a scene or two in that movie as well. Wow. So it's kind of like, these are the two Vorlons that have been dealing with the younger races. That's just like their job. Wow. That's crazy. For like <laughs> uh, over a thousand years. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to, say about Kosh.0 here. We are all Kosh. That. <laughs> That's good. You get it? You like it? Okay. That's good, yeah. He really kind of reminds me, this, this you know, costume piece, the encounter suit, mm -hmm. the shape, for some reason, really reminded me of Crow from Mystery Science Theater. And so I was having a little trouble. Yeah. Like, I can see that. Taking him seriously at first. It's like, and Crow. <laughs> it definitely feels a little bit more sinister the like yeah. giant shoulder pads like mm -hmm. this is a final fantasy villain and i'm about to go beat up god like that's that's the vibe i get from this yeah and the like darkness of it the purplish bluish darkness mm -hmm. compared to our very like earth tony kosh that we had mm -hmm. definitely feels a little more sinister mm-hmm Franklin is uh, hanging out down below in the Brown Sector Marketplace after this. Yeah, he looks remarkably well. I have a gripe with this episode right about here. Okay. Because Garibaldi catches gripe. up with him and he's all like, oh, how'd you find me? He's like, you're using your credit card, dumbass. Which is <laughs> yeah. fair, right? Mm -hmm. But that should not be the answer. The answer should be a slight pan over to Marcus, who's been following him the entire time. <laughs> like Marcus is all over down below. Yeah. And knows all these people. We've seen he's... him in this market a number of times. Him hanging out in this area of the ship has been the central part of many plots this season. 
no less than I think three off the top of my head. And he's just gone when Franklin goes and hangs out down there. He's not even in this episode. Like yeah. if you couldn't get the actor or something or there's something mm-hmm. else going on. I get it. But his absence from this episode, not only in the hunting down of Franklin, but mm-hmm. also being there for him. They've had yeah. bro adventures and it feels like they're trying to like, and it's not like him and Garibaldi don't have a working relationship, but that's right. all they have. And it starts to feel like they're shoving something else in there when it should be logically to me. I feel like almost all of this stuff with Garibaldi, it should be Marcus. Yeah. Okay. I could see that. One I mean, of my many gripes with this episode. Yeah. My, my gripe that I had here was like, Gosh, he's awfully like chipper and fine for someone who is supposedly dealing mm-hmm. with his addiction. Like, yeah. And we don't see, you know, I understand that, you know, maybe you don't go through withdrawals right away or maybe he's still using. Well, it has been some time. Yeah. Because he left Med Lab before all the Babylon 4 stuff and everything. Uh huh. So, you know, it's been episodes. I assumed he was through his withdrawals at this point and was more interested in the soul searching required to deal with addiction. I don't think this show skips that, though, right? Does it? That's a big thing to skip. I don't remember. If there is more of this after this episode of this plot line, I do Uh not remember it. I think. I think something else is coming. I maybe maybe my memory is just adding things in. I don't know. Okay. I well. think something else has got to be coming. But you can't skip that. You can't skip the withdrawals in a addiction storyline. And it like, should be what? the first thing, you know. Yeah. And it should be the first thing and he's just awful chipper out here looking for himself. Yeah. Talking about being a foundationist, Harry Seldon, psychohistory, the whole deal. Yeah. Yeah, that was the other thing about this um, foundationist like idea that he brings up here that I think would would have been different if you have Dr. Kyle in here. It would have felt different anyway. Like the the idea of walkabout, he's you know referencing like Aboriginal tribes and stuff, mm-hmm. and I don't know. It just felt very like Western appropriation a little bit. So there is a bit about foundationism. Uh that JMS talked about on the Usenets that I read. So the idea of it is this is a religion that springs up after alien life is discovered. Yeah, because that's going to rock everybody's world. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a very recent religion, and it's kind of an attempt at just like... I mean, there there are a handful of religions that are like this, like the, the Church of Universal Life and stuff, where it's just like, there's a ton of religions all of them are right in their own ways and in any ways they conflict don't actually matter because at their core, at their foundation, they are the same. Uh And so it is about taking that and saying, okay, well, what is the foundational belief of all life on earth? You know, Uh and then saying, well, this culture expresses it this way. This culture expresses it this way and kind of, just picking and choosing whatever works for you as an individual mm-hmm. out of all of the religious beliefs that exist. It reminds me of Unitarians. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's just kind of like doing what works for you and embracing uh-huh. that as, as your belief structure. So 
it's there's definitely i mean whenever you have someone who is not of a culture taking the thing that they like from that other culture that's uh-huh, that's yeah. literally the definition of appropriation so i'm i'm not saying that it is right because it's his belief but rather i'm saying their entire belief system is based upon it through the acknowledgement that everyone is correct. So it's not necessarily like a colonial kind of appropriation, Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. very different. I would say that it's at the very least a respectful appropriation. And even if that's not the vibe we get from Franklin, to be perfectly honest, he's very bad at giving off the respectful vibe when he does anything. Yeah. Yeah. But as a religious has like a religious belief set. That's mm-hmm. the intention. Yeah. I, I think it reads a little weird now that, you know, we're 30 years out from when the show aired. Mm-hmm. And you, you kind of look at it, you're like, eh, this reads a little funny. It wouldn't read as funny, I think, with Johnny Seca in that role. But I think if uh, Franklin being so bluntly disrespectful to everyone wasn't such a core yeah. part of his character that... Yeah this wouldn't feel the way it does. Yeah. If we hadn't had believers before this, yeah, maybe it doesn't feel so weird, but so what we didn't even talk about what the idea of walkabout was. You want to tell me what the idea is? (laughs) Uh, So Franklin says he's going to go for a walk and he's going to walk and walk and keep walking until eventually he metaphysically meets himself. Mm Hmm. And then when this happens, then he can have a conversation with himself to determine who he is. Right. So that is that is the plan here for his his trip down below is to go until he has to question who he is to the point where he can examine himself and determine the person that he actually is outside of I run MedLab. This is my job. Yeah. And this is what I'm thinking that we're actually going to get later if I haven't just built it up in my brain is we're actually going to get Franklin duking it out with himself. I might be remembering that, or I might be remembering a fight scene with him on Mars. That's down the road. Spoilers. I don't know. Yeah. But I Mm. I feel like there's something still coming. I, I don't think we're done with this plot yet. I know you said you think, I hope. You're feeling like it's over? I don't think it's over. Yeah, he doesn't go back to MetLab at the end, so there's got to be more. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. So, if you were wanting to see Franklin talking to himself, I think it might be still going to happen, guys. <laughs> <laughs> if at this point, you were like, yeah, I love this idea. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> but we go back to Purple Kosh, and he's like investigating the crime scene, right? Yeah, he scans around and he sees the energy left behind from Kosh's murder. He sees like the outline of Morden and a couple of shadows and Kosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Alita arrives. Yeah. And he force chokes her for not being there. He is rude as fuck. Yeah. I didn't think of it as force choking. I thought of it as like, <laughs> well, that's like where the gills are. Like we've seen like when she was doing this stuff with Kosh, we've seen energy flowing out of those. Right. Uh-huh, yeah. So I thought it was just a like, well, this is just like how they do things. And it was just uh-huh. like hurting her 
where her gills are because that's like the Vorlon connection in part of her. Oh, okay. More sure. so than yeah. him like trying to restrict her oxygen to choke her. Yeah. Um, he's yanking her chain. <laughs> oh, he's a dick. <laughs> yeah. They're a dick. <laughs> they use male gendered pronouns for him in the show. That's true. But a lot of the stuff after stops that. Uh-huh. So it's it's an interesting. Uh, I think that the it, definitely in the remake they're going to be gender neutral. Right, the Vorlons like remake their days. Right, all of yeah, the Vorlons they yeah, have to be. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, Ulkesh searches Lita for a piece of kosh that may had been left in her and yeah. doesn't find it. Mm-hmm. So she's like a failure, and her boss is dead, and her new boss sucks. Yeah, she's getting the worst of all worlds. Yeah. Because she really liked her old boss. They had a thing. It was a weird thing, but they had they had a way that they worked. Yeah. Sheridan meets with Lita and kind of asks mm-hmm. how she's doing with this new ambassador. Yeah. And during their conversation, she hears old Kasha's voice. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Put a pin in that one. Yeah. Save that. Just throw that in the back of your mind. Can we talk about what a dick Sheridan is here? Always. (laughs) He only invited her to be all like, hey, so I'm planning this suicide mission and I want you to come on it. Yeah. Because especially at this point, as we'll see later when he pitches this mission, he isn't 100% intending this to be a suicide mission. Yeah. He's he's planning like he's not going to come back. Yeah. And so, hey, I invited you up here for some small talk and also to see if you were interested in dying with me. (laughs) What an ass. Yeah. Pretend like you care for 20 minutes that you can ask her to die with you. Just, ugh. I'm so sorry your good friend died and your new boss is a big jerk. Would you like to go do something totally reckless with me because I have this need (laughs) to feel alive? (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, oh man, share over my guy. Yeah, it's just, it's all bad. We cut over to Franklin listening to KJMS in a club down below. Yeah. Uh, he wrote both the songs in this. Oh, did he? He did, okay. but he can't write music. And so there's an anecdote of him, like, he writes the lyrics and he comes up with a melody, but like looking at sheet music, it is just latined. Like, it just makes no sense. His brain can't sure, comprehend okay. it. And so he gets someone and tries to like poorly hum them the tune. Okay, this all tracks. Ropes in some poor musical artist to actually do the work of writing the other half of the song. Uh More than half, if we're being perfectly honest. If you've done any songwriting, the lyrics are less than half of a song. Right. Yeah. So. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This scene started and my my cringe reflex just went like to maximum, right? Yep. <laughs> yep. So we have on stage Kaylin, who is our singer, played by Erica Gimple, who mm-hmm. has a ton of acting credits. Really? This is one guest star for some reason I didn't think to look up. Tell me about her. Let's see. She'll, she is still acting. Like, oh. her big break was playing Colo on the TV show Fame, which I've never seen an episode of. Okay. Uh, 19 episodes of ER, 45 mm, yeah. of The Profiler, 9 of Veronica Mars, 
all kinds of stuff in between all over the place going up to the recent Mayfair Witches show, which I think is like wrapping up its first season this weekend. Wow. That's still working. All right. <laughs> yep. Uh, as as of recording, I think it ends this weekend. Maybe maybe it ended the last weekend. I haven't watched it yet, but uh-huh. I intend to. I mean, she's a real talented person. Like, mm-hmm. she's a very good singer. Yes. She's very pretty. Really, really great actress in this episode. I can see yeah. why she's got a lot of, you know, working credits. Mm-hmm. Over in the war room, Sheridan tells him his plan to go on the suicide mission to check for weaknesses. And everyone in the room is like, you're... You're a fucking idiot. What are you doing? Smelling a lot of if coming off this plant. <laughs> Jakar's like, no, we'll send one of our 10 ships. Like, damn it. Don't do this alone. Well, and everyone points out that as far as they know, Lita is a P5, right? Yeah. I don't think Lita is a P5 anymore. No, right? no, not for a long time. You don't go hang out with the Vorlons for year plus. Yeah. And she stay shuts, a P5. Has she shut Bester down? Have we seen that? I I don't know if we've seen them interact yet. Okay. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Point is, she's more dangerous than they think. For sure. Um, They may not be aware, but yeah. We don't know if we, exactly what we need. We know that Bester was on our ship, and we know he's a P12, right? And the P12 made them go running. Yeah. So yeah. someone lesser can probably, at the very least, do a little something. And we don't know the P ratings of the Mimbari that we see later in this episode as well. Yeah, they don't really use P ratings to talk about alien telepaths. No, the Mimbari aren't a dick measuring race. Solid point, yeah. So yeah, basically they want Lita to try to jam this ship Mm -hmm. on the White Star with a skeleton crew. Yeah, and everyone's just like, no, we'll we'll send other ships. And he's like, really? Cause I'm feeling a suicide mission. They're just like, just wait a couple episodes. You'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Delenn is going to send a Minbari cruiser with other mm-hmm. Minbari telepaths. Solid plan. Yes. Like her thinking. Backup telepaths. She's not going to be on it either. I don't think. She no. wasn't on the ship. She's not on yeah. the ship, uh, nor should she be, nor right. should Sheridan. <laughs> yeah. Has, yeah. Has like the de facto leader of the army of light right now. Yeah. You don't need to send all of your leaders into one battle. Like sending like... a tactician and a military leader into a battle. Yeah, sure. Sending them on a scouting mission, an intelligence <laughs> gathering scouting mission, like, no. Yeah, but Jakar does commit the cruiser mm-hmm. conditionally, I guess. Yeah. That's what we find out. Back in the club, Franklin commits a cardinal sin of being single. Don't flirt with anyone who is at work. <laughs> Just don't do it. Yeah. It's never a good idea. Never. Mm-mm. Especially anybody who's working for tips. Right. Especially. Which presumably the band has a jar out, right? Yeah. You know, they're getting something from the club. Like they're getting something yeah, to be They get there, a cut but... of some variety. Yeah. You don't want to. Yeah. You don't want to do that ever. Yeah. He's definitely trying to pick her up, and it is gross. I wrote you in my notes a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and I, the other thing I wrote you about was apparently moms are still saying that, that you should marry a doctor. You need to find a nice <laughs> doctor to marry, honey. It's like, ew. We're centuries in the future, and moms are still saying that? Moms. Some things never change. <sighs> moms. 
<laughs> but she's interested. She's yeah. interested in a doctor for some reason. Yeah, she <laughs> she flirts back for totally normal reasons and not for any ulterior motive whatsoever. Right. Just gross. I felt gross. <laughs> it's so gross. Uh, Jakar talks to the Narn captain, who straight up Ivan Drogo's the situation. If he dies, he dies. Yeah. If he, he dies, no. he dies. I bet the Narns have all seen all of the Rockies, right? I hope so. They feel like a people who cultural have exchange. Seen all the Rockies. Yeah. Like you yeah. know what movie you're gonna like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he won't go. He's uh, refusing to go on this mission. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sheridan's going to be on his own. And that's where we cut to, right? We cut mm-hmm. to the White Star. The trap is set while Franklin hangs out with his hippie friend who is totally reading his aura. <laughs> she keeps looking at him through her glasses of alcohol. Mm-hmm. I'll find your soul. I've been around people this stoned before. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, a good time. Garibaldi runs in and gives Jakar hell for the Narn leaving Sheridan high and dry. Yeah, Garibaldi is very bold here. This um, whole episode, he doesn't do a lot, but what he does is yell. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's very on, on track for Garibaldi. Yeah, A-cab. <laughs> I, I kind of felt like he wasn't being so super fair. I mean, I don't know. I guess I wasn't totally clear on Jakar's place in the universe, specifically like any sort of Narn hierarchy. But I guess if he is really the last remaining leader, mm-hmm. then maybe he does have the authority to make the captain Nicole go anyway. Uh, yeah. But part of me was like, man, it's, it's not his ship. Like Nicole said, no, there's no military chain of command anymore necessarily. And, and things I don't say very often, Garibaldi is right here. Mm-hmm. This is the, this is the Narn cruiser that the station saved. Yeah. From the okay. Like they got to go. There is, there is a debt to be paid here by this and ship. And they did agree to defend the station. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they're submitting themselves a little bit in a way to Sheridan with yeah. just that. So, yeah, I guess he's got a solid point. And Jakar's going to sit on this for a minute and think about it. Yeah. Franklin, who we should remember is the son of a five-star general. Yeah. Went to private schools. Uh-huh. Dude did not grow up in any form of poverty. Mm-hmm, Gets right. all classist and shitty about sleeping with someone poorer than him. He is really judgy about her lifestyle. He, he is... is a piece of shit here. Yeah. He gives her shit for drinking too much. This woman he just met, mm-hmm. who is a singer in Down Below, doesn't yeah. have the same resources and I don't remember if it's in the scene or a different scene, but he's like, you, you're too good to be here or something. And it's mm-hmm. like, come on, dude, don't. That's not how it works. <laughs> right. Poverty you know. cycles. Do they not teach poverty cycles yeah. on earth anymore? Well, probably not on earth during the time of this. Yeah. There's no poverty on there's earth. There's no poverty on earth. Anyone who's poor there's wants no poor to people. be poor. There is no poverty. <sighs> oh, oh, it makes me so angry. Yeah, and of course she she kind of pitches a little bit for. I just, I just oh, yeah, need can some... you hook me up with you know and some Ambien? Just, just want some Ambien. Don't worry about it. I mean, you got laid, so like 
butter my bread. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Lord knows he's not considerate enough to make sure she finished. Oh, I said it, Internet. <laughs> I said it, and I mean it. Ugh. So this we cut guy. to uh, Lita and Sheridan mm-hmm. discussing their nerves in hyperspace. Mm-hmm. And she wants to know a little more, more from Sheridan about how he knew that Kosh had died. Yeah, that was weird how you knew Kosh had died. You shouldn't have known that. Yeah. He tells her the whole thing. You know, I mm-hmm. I was having a dream about my dad or something and then woke up and knew he was gone. Yeah. And uh, we start to see, like, something dawning on her face. Mm-hmm. Like, she's she's getting it. But at the same time, Lanier has finally detected some shadows. Yep. The shadow ship arrives, and Lita goes fetal, screaming, when she tries to enter its mind. Yeah. It's not an instant victory situation. Or, no. or even the same thing as with Bester, where the ship sensed him and ran. Nope, she is not having a good time. And when Sheridan goes to, like, help her up and check on her, when they touch, she sees Kasha's death in his mind. Mm-hmm. And this is what gives her the focus and the anger to turn around and come back at the shadow ship. Yeah. This makes me... you you saying that she was angry makes me realize that when we saw Bester approaching these shadows, he was also angry. He was angry about something else. Mm -hmm. He was angry about the treatment of his fellow telepaths, but he had already some spark and some fire. So I wonder if that's part of why it was a different situation at first when the ship approached. Anytime in this show, we see a telepath reach the apex of their power. It is through a strong emotional state. And that is not uh-huh. a coincidence. Yeah. I think that the book can do that a little bit, too. Hmm. Now that we're talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> we got to read that second book, man. Yeah. So she focuses here. I have a small theory here. And this is something I read online. But I think the reason she reacts the way that she does, because it kind of the presence of the shadow ship almost kind of instantly impacts her. Because mm-hmm. it's not even like she's interacting with it it's she notices it and loses her shit and the horror of it all and like the we will later get a description of what it is like when a telepath enters a shadow ship's mind Mm. and it is not a pleasant experience as one would imagine yeah but i think she is particularly sensitive to it because of her contact with vorlons she's kind of Mm -hmm. already used to opening herself up in ways that most telepaths probably aren't to the mind of an elder race because of her previous contact. Mm -hmm. And so I think when she reaches out to these shadow ships, they are much more easily able to kind of fuck with her back compared to any other telepath. Yeah. They get soft underbelly versus hard scales. Like Mm -hmm. they get right in there into the meats. Yeah. I could see that. That's a good theory. Because we don't even see, like, the Mimbari telepaths, like, blink a couple of times. Yeah. You know, <laughs> in a they, couple of scenes. They have a strained look on their face, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But it is not yeah. nearly the same. And I don't think that is stoic Mimbari. I think that is her. She's different. She's different. Yeah. 
Yeah, because as she's got her strong emotion, she starts attacking the ship. We see mm-hmm. that she's like bleeding from her eyes, right. which is always a horrifying Duh. vision, right? Nobody wants to think about that from their eyes. Nope. The White Star fires at the ship. They, in order to fire harder, have to take the jump engines offline. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. It takes them 20 <laughs> minutes to turn back on. But yeah. they are able to destroy the ship. Yeah, it like crumples up like a dead bug. Like mm-hmm. just... We cut back to the station. Mm-hmm. And Franklin's new girlfriend is like, going through his stuff. Yeah, raids his wallet. Yeah. And then uh, Lita's like, hey, I'm going to wait 10 of the 20 minutes that I had to tell you. But by the way, they sent off a distress signal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, bitch, they could have been running. You can't that be should've... like that. Should have been the first thing out of what? her mouth, really. Yeah. You can't yeah. just drop that. Oh, you gotta. And oh, they could have just been flying in another direction for 10 whole ass minutes. Yeah. Like, even if it's not gonna do much, you gotta at least try. Yeah. Uh, like, if, and even it's not if just... you pass out, like, if you're about to pass out and you got time for two words before you're uh-huh. out, those are your distress call. Like, that's what you say on your way down. They're coming. Like, yeah. you know, they'll get the point. Yeah, get it. <laughs> and it's not just one ship that's been called. There's four. at least four in the area. Yep. Four come out of jump immediately. And the White Star now starts to run. The Mimbari mm-hmm. cruiser comes out of jump with its three telepaths, which stops three of the shadow ships. But a fourth oh, yeah. is undeterred. The Narn How cruiser. How serendipitous that we had three. Right. <laughs> Yeah, the Narn Cruiser jumps in, saves the day, fires on the shadow ship as Lita kind of tries to hold it a little bit, and then Mm -hmm. the combined forces destroy the second shadow ship. And with two shadow ships down, the other three are just like, peace. Yeah. And crucially, the Narn ship that comes in, Jakar is not on board that ship. No. He is on another ship, and he's brought a bunch of friends with him. Yeah. So the army of light rolls up. Yeah, two or three types, I think, Mm -hmm. that we see in here. Most of the Um, ships that were probably defending the station. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody better get back there real quick. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he's got got everybody. And now the shadows kind of have a little more evidence of who is standing with Sheridan. So that's mm-hmm. going to be interesting. But Lita also hears Kosh. Mm-hmm. Here's Kosh again. Super and important. Saying my favorite line. Uh, back in Kaylin's quarters, she passes <laughs> out drugs in hand. Yeah. As Franklin takes her to med lab. Dr. Hobbs is handling the situation just fine. As Franklin learns, he is misinformed about everything. Yeah, <laughs> he's completely misread the situation. He thought he had an overdose on his hands. Yeah, and we uh, get our 90s drugs are bad moment. The big twist, she's not an addict like you would expect out of a storyline in the 90s where she'll die from her drug overdose. She yep, actually yep. needs these pills and was in such pain that it caused her to collapse. The only high she needs is singing. <laughs> Tashi Yar would be so proud. <laughs> she can't afford these pills anymore. Dr. Mm-hmm. Hobbs tells us that. She's she's out of money, so 
Yeah, and they we've confirmed once again they have not figured out socialized medicine in 200 years, which just fuck, we have it now guys, come on. We yeah. we could it's so easy. We could just we could just do the thing. We're just like this close. We got so close. And then I mean, like, real talk, the the, uh-huh. the real problem is that we'd be gutting something like 15% of our economy by doing it. Yeah. That's the thing that no one wants to talk about. That that that's why. A because lot of too, men, men out of jobs. too many rich people are gonna not be rich anymore. Yeah. So we can't yeah. do it. Because this is America. We have whole companies built around being a middleman. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, she apologizes for stealing his identity in order to buy her desperately needed mm-hmm. medicine. And as Franklin is leaving, presumably to go back on his walkabout, because he grabs his walkabout bag, mm-hmm. he asks his fellow colleagues in med lab to just give her whatever she needs. Yeah. Just whatever pills she needs, just give them to her. Yeah. Like, well, why don't you do that for everyone? Only the ones that you sleep with? Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bad luck, my dude. <laughs> oh, boy. But, uh, the White Star gets back to Babylon 5, and Lita tells, uh, what'd you say, Kosh.0? Yeah. That's so good. I tried for five minutes to think of a good one, and I couldn't think of one. So, Well, you got like actual lore history to bring to the table. Yeah, but so. that, that was my backup plan. I wanted a joke. I just didn't come <laughs> up with a good one. I really like Kosh.0. Gosh, point oh, there it is. Thank you for being funny, Laura. <laughs> well, it doesn't happen often, so don't rely on That's it. That's <laughs> not true. That's not true at all. <laughs> Lita tells Kosh.0 oh, that Sheridan might have the piece of Kosh that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we get some more Radio KJMS to credits. Yeah. All right. Well, Laura, I feel like we've both expressed our displeasure at this episode a little bit but we're at the point of our show where we need to numerically rate that's not a word where we need to numerically rate the episode on a scale of babylon's one to babylon five well you know i'm not a fan of this one i don't think i'm gonna give it the lowest rating i don't think i'm gonna give it a one because i do oh wow I liked the lore parts of it, you know, mm-hmm. where we're exploring the the telepath thing, and I'm a sucker for the stuff with figuring out what happened with old Kosh. So I give it a two for those parts, but all of the Franklin stuff just brings nothing to my table. <laughs> they could have done so much more beside a 90s drugs or bad riff. And you know what? Maybe uh-huh. the mm-hmm. she needed the pills actually and wasn't an addict. You know, in 1995, that might have been a revolutionary twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It probably was. Aired. It probably was. But it just feels boring, to be perfectly mm. honest. And I don't know yeah. if that is through the modern lens, if I would have felt the same in the 90s. If I would have been like, oh, they subverted that trope. It's all like, you subverted that trope in the weakest possible way. Mm-hmm. And... Mm. It is not often, like, it usually takes me, like, an hour and a half, two hours to get through an episode. I think I've said this maybe about one or two other episodes before, too. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I just got to pause and go do something else to come Mm -hmm. back and write more notes about an episode. And this was one of those. I did my notes over two days for this episode. 
Yeah, I could see that. I mean, part of it was I did have an internet outage for four hours at home when I started. But I I was able to spin that into something a lot more positive than this episode. So Mm -hmm. got a lot of work done on Admiral Harper's spice rack. uh, Oh, good. I completely redid all of the networking in my house. Changed the location of like my modems and everything. Did up my network cabinet. You're like, well, it's down anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I cleaned up all the cabling in my entertainment center, which I hadn't done. Everything was just still just kind of like hanging out from when I had moved in. So I like cord wrapped and painted to match my wall and stuff and did the whole thing. Yeah. Think about this episode at all nope. while you were doing that. And then when the internet came back on, I watched New Girl. <laughs> yeah. You're like, because I couldn't I come back to this episode. This episode wisely. is trash. And I it's not don't... even a fuck this episode trash. It's just trash. Because the fuck this episode at least is making me feel something, whether or not I want to feel right. it. This is just nothing. This, this is blasé. Make me feel this, this episode is the jar of mayonnaise of Babylon 5. And I really hate the trope that, you know, it did show up a lot back then. It still shows up now of like, oh, we're going to use this woman to teach this man this thing, this woman and her tragic life and her <sighs> tragic story. And she's just there to She's provide... poor. She does drugs. Yeah, she's just there to provide some character development for the male. And I, just, I hate that. It's, just... it's fucking terrible. Like, there's lots of men who feel like women are just here for their character development because this is the kind of media that they consumed for a long time. Uh, like... Yeah, I used to know people like that. They've all been removed yeah. from my life. Right. Oh. <laughs> Always, always good to do a little curating, prune, prune that. Uh, but speaking context of people list. we know, uh huh. Next episode. Ooh, yeah. Season three, episode nineteen. Gray seventeen is missing. We've got a guest coming on. Yeah, from Gray seventeen, the podcast. <laughs> Go uh, figure. We've, we've reached out to our friends in the league of non-aligned podcasts, and Gray seventeen is going to be on. In a couple weeks, we're going to have Yum Yum Podcast on uh, for uh, Shadow Dancing is the episode they'll be on with us for. And then we've got a couple week break and like our season recap stuff. So we're not going to have anyone on for there. We're going to hit season four and Ben's going to be joining us for an episode to help, hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood, be the unofficial launch of His and I News Podcast, uh, which we had our first real serious sit down for uh on wednesday start recording and getting that ready to go so that'd be cool and then i don't see i don't know if you are if you are a babylon 5 podcaster and you're listening to this episode and you want to join us for (laughs) an episode just reach out we'd love to have you trying to mix it up a little bit have a little fun especially this this whole set of episodes coming up here is also great and Mm so if you know i haven't reached out to everyone because a lot of you are first have our first time watcher podcasts and you're not where we are so I can't, I can't ask you we to help with that. We don't want to ruin anybody. it. We don't want you yeah. to watch ahead like that. But yeah, that's what's going on. So that's cool. Grace 17 is missing next week. Delenn agrees to lead the Rangers, but Marcus must protect her from a deadly threat. Garibaldi investigates a secret station level. Mm. I love a good mystery. I can't wait. If this is the episode <laughs> I'm thinking of, it's a lot of fun and I like this episode. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it's been a little while, but we'll talk about it more next week think we're just getting one person from gray 17 but i'm not 100 percent on that right now so yeah we'll find out when we get there <laughs> yeah De- details are ambiguous because they are currently 
ambiguous, but yeah. we're working out that stuff soon. So, yeah. Uh, but uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, Jeremy Siegel, for our lovely theme music. Really appreciate you. I've, I just sent you a Facebook friend request so I can ask you to make the theme song for the other podcast. <laughs> awesome. Yay. <laughs> we love more work for Jeremy. We do love more work for Jeremy. And you can find more of Jeremy's work at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com. And thank you to Angry Duck Time Machine on Instagram for our podcast artwork. Mm-hmm. Thanks to you for listening. Go ahead and throw us an email. Who are you? Be five at gmail.com. You join our Discord community where we'll talk about stuff all the time. Everyone mm-hmm. just put in their quiz results from Always fun. a number of weeks ago when you heard that. That's when we're recording this now. So that was fun to see everyone sharing their quiz results with us. Oh, and thank you, Aaron, for editing our podcast. <laughs> I I didn't forget you. <laughs> we could never forget you. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see you next week, Internet. All right. Bye. Bye.